Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, horny babies. Hey, Waniacs. You're listening to Mike Check with Cameron James and Alexi Teliopoulos. I'm Cameron. Say hey, Alexi. Hey, Alexi. Oh, very cheeky there. <laughs> I'm a little silly boy. This is the podcast where two comedians, that's us, watch the entire filmography of Mike Myers just to check if it's still good. What are we doing this week, Lex? This week we're discussing Wayne's World 2. Very exciting. So have a listen, enjoy yourselves, just chill out, and remember to stay horny. Stay horny, stay cool, and stay fresh, and stay in school. Unless you love drugs, then just take that day off and you'll have a great time. It's my check, it's my check, the podcast that Mike Myers. Our guest today, we're recording at his home. He put my phone with all my notes for this podcast in a lockbox for for another forty minutes. It's stuck in there or something, and I just I feel just without it. I feel aggressive and aggro. This is not a good way to talk about. Dude, it's time to unplug and drop out and chill out. And I'm going to let you take a breath, and then I want you to introduce our guest, please. Chill, chill, chill. Take a deep breath. Now breathe out. Now release your butthole. Okay. Now embrace. Oh no. <laughs> oh baby. Okay, we're going to be discussing the movie Wayne's World 2. Who you'll direct- laugh again, you'll cry again, you'll hurl again. And who directed it? Steven Sergic. Steven Sergic. And joining us to talk about this Steven Sergic turgid Furge pick, we're going to be joined by the sometimes co-host of the Blank Slate Movie Podcast. He's also one of the horniest dudes in town and he's a renowned root rat. This is Henry Stone. I'm back. Did you miss me? Call me Gremlins too because I'm back. No, it's the new batch. Yes. (laughs) And also, that's Poltergeist, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't that from Poltergeist? Who's back? When she's she's looking at the TV and she goes, we're home. No, she says they're back. No, she says they're here. Wait, no, there's a movie called They're Back and it's about dinosaurs. Yes, and this is... Related to this film or not related? Not at all. Okay. Henry, what is your relationship to Mike Myers? Husband. Okay. Do you like the guy? Uh, It's a loveless marriage. No, but do you think he's funny? Mm, He's just a guy to me. Like when you marry someone, you kind of just get so normalized to everything they do and say that... I don't know. Before I, you, I mean, I can see how people would think my husband, Mike Myers, is funny. Yeah, sure. Before you married Mike, were you a fan or were you just like a casual um, observer? I was an axe murderer. You were an ex Okay, okay. Can I ask you a question? Does he still make you horny, baby? Mm, I mean, yeah. That's why <laughs> yeah. I'm in a... Man, he has that good dick. That good Canadian D. Very polite Canadian D, that sweet D, that maple D. A dick really? that when it comes, it goes, I'm sorry, straight afterwards. Mom? Did they say mum or mom? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mom. Eh? Eh? I don't know. That sounds pretty Canadian. I think it sounds so beautiful. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show, Henry. Hey, it's good for to see me. you. Yeah, I would say I'll tell you my truth. Rela- yes, Rello. Yeah. So that was a lie. This is a truth. Okay, yeah. So we're doing one truth, one lie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is one a get to know one. You. Yeah, And yeah. it's really easy to play this game if you tell them the golden which is ratio. a lie at the start. So that's really good. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel so guilty about lying to you boys. <laughs> okay, so tell us the truth. Uh, I think Mike Myers is pretty good, but I don't think I love him as much as you guys. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, I worked really hard to try and assemble my thoughts and feelings on him leading up to this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think at best they are neutral. 
Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fine. You but know, knowing me, you guys know me, and yeah. if anyone else has listened to the Blank State or whatever, that's not that unusual for me. No, it's not unusual to, to have, have neutrality. If you're Henry. There we go. Um, I think I'm, I know exactly where you're coming from here because he's a guy who has been around for so long now yes. that you can't... We, everyone sort of knows at least roughly who Mike Myers is. It's, mm. it's, it's, he's he's like, a star of He's powers. like the Beatles, you know? He's like, you know... Which Beatles do you think is most like? <laughs> he's the cute one, obviously. Yeah, so... He's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got the uh, he's got the temper of John. And he's also say. got the spirituality of George Harrison. And the schnoz of Ringo Starr. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be discussing Wayne's World 2. So why don't we find out what that's all about by listening to a short clip from the trailer that was produced to uh, let audiences know what the I trailer know, was about. I know about. why trailers <laughs> okay. exist. Thank you. Paramount Pictures presents Extreme Closer! Wow! That was just like the first movie. Wayne, it's Heather Locklear. There is a God. Heather be thy name. And Garth. I feel weird. In their first movie since their last one. What's it called? It's called, uh, uh, it's called Wayne's World 2. Yes! Wow. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. Mmm, Wayne's World 2, right. Now, you may be familiar with Wayne's World 1. That's the one where you laugh. You'll cry, you'll, you'll hurl. hurl. This one, in a spin, you'll laugh again, you'll cry again, you'll hurl again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bit of a twist there. It is a bit of a twist. Okay. And I think that's what this whole movie is. It is repeating some of the stuff of Wayne's World, but it is giving a new twist, a surrealist twist. It's uh-huh. the first Wayne's World we discussed a few weeks ago. Is a film... Deeply grounded in reality. There's a lot of verisimilitude uh, built what? up by that kind of. <laughs> that, oh, no, I think it is. It's grounded <laughs> in reality because it has a sort of documentary feel to it all. <laughs> because it is, it's got Wayne and Garth giving you a tour of their hometown as director Penelope Spheres shows fit. <laughs> but then it has little surreal moments, whereas this movie is much sleeker and much more surreal throughout the whole thing. And there's a reason why I'm bringing this up at the start because there was something that I found out that really coloured my lens for this whole film. Yeah, what's that? And that is Mike Myers, his original choice to direct (laughs) this film that he requested of the studios was Federico Fellini. (laughs) That's real. There's an IMDb trivia where it says Mike Myers wanted Federico Fellini to direct the Wayne's World 2. Was he... Was he fucking around? Or the was he... studio said they thought that he was fucking around and then dismissed him straight away. <laughs> I can't even imagine what he could possibly get from he that was collaboration. absolutely fucking around. He had to be. That's one of those stories. Like, he th- said that as a joke in the meeting. Right. And then the execs in that meeting left and they're like, oh, yeah, Mike's a really funny guy. They <laughs> Do you use know that, that to mythologize as a, it. Yeah, as a joke, he said that they would... We would he would love to get a Fellini. I mean, guys, you yeah, know like, how these things work. One guy tells a friend, then he tells two friends, and they and tell they their tell friends, friends, and, and they then tell then friends, then. and so on and so on. Yeah. Well, I think there's a valid truth behind this. <laughs> because when I thought of the film this way, it unlocked a whole lot more. Remember a few months ago, the, two, the three of us discussed a movie called Knights of Kiberia on our other podcast. How could yes, we yes. And in that film, we talk about how Fellini in that film, is making the move from Italian neorealism, a grounded, more documentary-based style of filmmaking, to the more surreal aspects of Italian (laughs) surrealism that he would go on to define. That is exactly where Mike was in his career at this point. He was moving from the more grounded take of Wayne's World 1 and his more grounded performance (laughs) in So I Married an Axe Murderer. And then... I married an axe murderer. So why marry the axe murderer? So what? I married an axe murderer. So I married an axe murderer. Is that the worst thing? So (laughs) I married an axe murderer and he did marry an axe murderer. Or no, it was this. Anyway, ah, sorry, I got it confused. So then he's moving on to the more sleeker, surreal version of this movie. And I think it's a lot of dreams and dreamscapes in this movie. I think that's what he wanted Fellini to bring to it. Because that's what Fellini does. Fellini Do maybe... taps into our deeper human emotions through the concept of dreams and memories All and right. reminiscing. I'm gonna, Remini. Before we move too deeply into the film, when you've brought up Knights of Kiberia, I just need to refresh my memory. Did that movie make you horny, Alexi? Um, no, it made me saddy, baby. It okay. actually made me sad, that movie. Henry, do you remember if you felt any horniness 
if I did, it was f- not for any any sane reason while watching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was a lot hey, when is horniness ever sane? Yeah, you know, you know what, what I mean? mean? It's usually irrational. Yes. It and irrational you. stiffy. <laughs> it makes me crazy, baby, when I'm horny. <laughs> An irrational spear. <laughs> and oh, I call my bonus spears now, right? If you ever hear me about chucking a spear, it's not because I'm being racist. It's because I'm about to fuck. You want to throw one up something. Yeah. Yuck, or down something. Yeah. I'll chuck it up a puss, chuck it down a gob. Whatever. Oh, this is disgusting, dude. The, the horny babies are very respectable people and I don't want to listen to podcasts that's all cummy as stuff like this No one podcast. mentioned... Coming at all, dude. Well, it actually feels really nice, and it feels like in if you're in the position where you're having sex with someone, it feels so nice, what, especially at come? the end. Well, the whole Wait, thing. Did you just say feel so nice, or if it feel feel noise? It's not feel noise. Are you it's talking not... about the director Phil Noise? I'm not talking about the director Phil Noise. So noise, but it actually feels it feels so nice. And I think that's why. I think that's why Mike Myers is always playing horny characters because he knows how nice it feels. How nice it feels. <laughs> So it's just a comfort thing. It just feels so nice. Is it just because he's such a hedonist that, like, even in his work, he just wants to feel good? I think so. I think maybe not, but he's tapped into that, into the mammalian brain of people where they're like, it feels nice to have sex. I get where this guy's coming from. Everyone likes to feel nice. Everyone likes to feel sex. Let's do it. Let's make (laughs) people think about it. So, okay, you've you've actually, you've you've really drawn a long bow to Fellini and surrealism. Yes. But I... I'll allow it yes. for this reason. And Henry laughed when you said that Wayne's World is um, grounded. grounded. I think it is more grounded than this film. It is I'll, I'll allow you that. But that's because they just had to go somewhere with a sequel. Yeah, I mean, there's no dream. There are dream sequences. It's pretty. The first one's pretty weird and wacky and everything, but I guess it's, it's got more like moments of surrealism. But what makes the movie work is that it's grounded. It's mainly about Wayne and Garth's friendship, and yes. like that. That is more grounded than this movie, which is sort of about Wayne's friendship with Jim Morrison and Garth's potentially getting sucked into a noir esque um, like murder story. I think which is a little more heightened. And if we're talking about the terms of. Uh, Myers here as the auteur. That's why I like to draw this Fellini parallel. Hey, by the way, David Stratton famously shat on Fellini. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it just feels so nice. That's why. But do you also know famously Fellini made Margaret Randy baby? (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? She got Randy. I think so. so Did she get Sammy J? (laughs) That's a little inside baseball for Fellini fans. So I think um, with this... Film Myers as the auteur, what I'm drawing a, a line with as well, where his personal life. We've discussed this on podcasts. His father had passed away only a few years ago, and I think he's still feeling lost out there in the world, and he's he's kind of recessed into his own mind. He's feeling a little bit lost, and this film is all about finding distractions from your life. You know, well, there is there is some truth to that. His dad had died, what after? So I married an ex murder. Is that I right? think it was before, before Wayne's World One. Before no, World. it was just after Wayne's World One. After Wayne's World, it was all within the same year. Like yeah. the Wayne's World One, Axe Murder, and this movie are all like within the same year. Same two, three year period. Yeah. Two, but three then years. this was the first one back since his father dying, I think. And mm. this this movie has all those like dream sequences of spiritual mm. quests and everything. Apparently, this is when he started getting into Ram Dass or Deepak Chopra yes. or whatever it was, and he was into kind of centering yourself and being mm. spiritual. And this is about the time in the podcast where I get into Dilly Gaff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spiritual what? I just want to talk about Wayne Schwing. Yeah. Yeah. Schwing. Excellent. Yeah. Schwing. Schwing it up, guys. Schwing, schwing, schwing. <laughs> schwing when you went in. Um, but no, I, I know what you mean. There is some, there is maybe more reflection or sadness or whatever in this movie, even though it's a real stupid movie. Here's, I, I want to just talk about it, right? So this movie has a bad reputation in comparison to Wayne's World 1. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a big defender of Wayne's World 2 because I, I. I grew up with it. I, I've loved it for a long time. But this time I really sat down and went, I'm going to watch it like a real person. And I've got to be honest, it's not a very good movie. I... Oh, I don't know if or I. At the very least, that. it's not as solid a movie. Yeah, because the first one is genuinely a really funny classic comedy. I think the first one is a perfect comedy, perfect film. This one is more odder, more experimental in a weird way, but I think it fails those experiments because it's almost trying to be a little bit safe. 
I just think it's not as it's not as strong. It doesn't mm. have as strong a story. Like, Can I pitch what I think this is? Yes, pitch that. Text. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's the next episode in a sitcom. Yeah, right. That would if the first movie is the pilot. This is just a sitcom based on that pilot. Like right, if you right, look right. at the structure, there's the A story is Wayne Stock. Yeah. But then there's like four beasts, there's like four sub stories that are all sort of happening that don't really like, and the A story is never treated with as much respect as any of the other ones. So I don't think that there's as much driving force. Like, e- like each scene is just an escalation sketch that sort of develops a sub story. I don't think mm. there's really any main story at all. And it feels like a sitcom to me. I kind of like the sketchiness of it. I think that is a saving grace for me. Yeah. Kind of from the, the midpoint onwards. I think maybe from the YMCA mm. bit onwards, it is just a string of sketches, mm. and that is what I enjoy. I the think most. that's what it, do, it doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable. Yeah, but it doesn't make it a good movie. No, I, yeah, I'm with you. It's like a I'm long sitcom app. Yeah, I think that's where it struggles because he's a little bit more lethargic. The jokes. I think whereas Wayne's World, it's long. The length of its jokes, it's got those really long, like whole scene long jokes. In this film, they've got the same kind of thing, but they feel more lethargic, a little bit more played out. Yeah, I know what you mean. There is, there's less energy in this one. And I think I've heard, um, maybe not Mike, I think Dana Carvey on uh, another podcast, Nerdist maybe or something, yeah. he said when he was talking a about Wayne's World 2. A competitor's <laughs> On a competitor. He, um, he said something like, Wayne's World 2 doesn't work because... They're no longer the underdogs. Yeah. In this one, like you, from the very first scene, they're in this sick warehouse space mm. that looks like everyone's dream. Mm-hmm. You would all, everyone would love to have that cool house, which is just a giant abandoned factory filled with toys and yeah. video games. And yeah, and shit. they have a Batman set up. They yeah, they've a, got a cool pole. Yeah, a pole and a sliding bookshelf. And I think that's where they are in the stories that they've moved on in fame as well. They become more famous, more popular, and they become less grounded heroes than they are in the first film. In the first film, they're very relatable people. In this one, they moved on to that part in their life where they're more, their lives have become a little bit more abstract and the way that they relate to things has become more symbolic in a way that I don't like. Like, it makes sense for the storyline and where they're at, but I don't, I don't enjoy that Cassandra who we raved about as, like, this fantastic character with her own agency and her own drive and story that's not exactly connected to Wayne's life. Mm. In the first film becomes more of just like a plot point for Wayne's story arc this time. Well, interestingly, because remember the, when we watched the first one, we were both really into the friendship group or like that whole crew. They're all so funny and they all get their own laughs and they all get their own personalities. In this one, none of them get called by name at all. Terry, Guys, my, the box just unlocked. I get, I can, we can use notes again. <laughs> <laughs> Terry doesn't get yeah. called by name. None of the other guys do. Well, I think that's because there's room made for more Garth. There's just the, the yeah, entire yeah. Garth storylines happening. Um, as well as Wayne Stock, as well as Wayne competing to win back Cassandra. Yeah, um, you're probably right. It's just that those additional stories mean that it's not as much of a hanging out movie as it is like four people or four different goals all trying to be achieved at once. And also Wayne and Garth have like nothing to do with each other in this movie. They're very separate. Yeah, and that sucks, right? Because the first one is all about their... It's a rom-com but about their friendship. Yeah. Like, they're, they're best mates, they get torn apart, they come back together. In this, I think they have like four scenes together mm. or something. Yeah, it's, I, it, it's that whole thing where I think Mike in his life must have felt so alone and I feel like he couldn't have even dreamt of making a movie about two friends to being together. That's crazy. I mean, if I was there, I would have been, Mike, listen, the gold is you and Garth. Mm. Forget Sammy Davis Jr. and Jim Morris. That's fine. But, like, we need more scenes of you with Garth than this naked American Indian guy. Mm. Come on, mm-hmm. Mike, listen to me. Trust me, I'm your best friend. Don't turn your back on me right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't throw water in my face. It's the last thing I need. Focus on me, listen to my words, make the movie I want you to make. Here's some margarine. No! <laughs> That's right, he's hypoglycemic. Where in the have film butter. do they split up? In it's, this movie, yes, I feel like there's a definite point. I'm trying; I can't pinpoint in my mind right now. Uh, mm. It's is when Garth <clears throat> meets up with uh, Heather he- Honey Horne. Yeah, Honey Horne. Well, they have the whole yeah. They have the whole like first fifteen together, whether at the concert, 
and, and then, then they go to England together yeah. with the body doubles, which is a very funny sequence, I think. And then they do, they get the permit. There's like, there is a chunk of scenes together, I guess, but then mm. their storylines aren't together. It's not yeah. a story about them, so it feels separate. Because mm. Wayne has his own story trying to get um, Wayne stock up and running and being competitive with Bobby, whereas Garth's whole story is to do with um, Kim Basinger, mm. and that's it. Yeah. Like they're, they're not in any way crossed over. Yeah. The only crossover they have is in Wayne stock, but that feels more like a Wayne plot. Right. Because it's all about him trying to like either distract himself from his relationship with uh, Cassandra and her burgeoning career. He's trying to be a little like not competitive, but trying to have something going on in his own life. So it's his relate. His life's not just about his relationship. Guys, what is this movie about? I know it's, what happens in yes. this movie, but what's it about? It's about this. I think it's about that weird concept of just not knowing where you're going and being stuck and just not being able to move forward. It's about aimlessness. Real, it's maybe. about aimlessness. And I think... It's about setting goals and following through with them. Right. Because that I is think. sort of what Jim Morrison says yeah. at the end, isn't it? He's like, you know, you had to do this because you had to know that you can, you, you know, set the bar high enough and you will clear it sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember even as a kid, I was always like, I don't know what they're talking about here. I've got no, I can't relate to this in any way. Mm. I think as a kid, I liked this film a lot more, not just than I do now, but at the time I liked it more than Wayne's World 1. Because it has Jurassic Park in it? I think because it's got Jurassic Park in it and also because it's just more, it's a more surreal, silly movie that most kids' films aren't. That kind of tone where it's like, oh, anything can happen. This is a weird movie. Mm. Whereas... Now I respect more Wayne's World 1 because I can genuinely relate to what's going on in that film, like where those people are in their lives. Yeah. yeah. What? What's so funny about that? No, it's just Dude, funny. I'm an empath. I can relate to things, okay? <laughs> I'm a freaking empath over here. All right, you're an empath. What are you, Henry? I'm an... I can you're a sociopath. I'm a psychopath. Yeah, yeah right. a sociopath. What are you? Animorph. <laughs> Dude, what do you morph into at night? <laughs> a little monkey. Dude, a tiny monkey. I What's climb around the suburbs, look in windows. Jacket. What do you see? <laughs> you wear jackets? That's awesome. <laughs> you wear a little leather jacket. What, like Neo or some cunt? <laughs> <laughs> like a Neo jacket on a little monkey? Dude, does a monkey wear shades? <laughs> no, nah, man, I wear a fez. I'm not a fucking animal. Well, well speaking of fez, Bonnie and Ter- Terry Turner. About fucking... <laughs> 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 70s. <laughs> Sorry. And they had nothing to do with this one, is that right? No, they co-wrote it again. Did they? Yeah, that's why when you guys kept saying like, yeah, Mike was like at this really dark point in his life. Well, he, I was like, what about Bonnie and Terry, man? Yes, but just... he contributed to the screenplay as well. And if you're right. the biggest star in the world at that time in history, they're going to listen wow. to you <laughs> and what's going on in your life. I reckon that their influence was way heftier in this because they, I reckon it was their doing to bring through all the Jim Morrison and all the, um, the Dell... The, Del like, Preston Yeah the, the, It's hell more 70s I reckon this movie Well do you want to talk and about that they stuff? made that yeah. 70s show What do you think about The Del Preston stuff Love it that That's stuff? my favourite part Of this whole movie I think I he's the best part Right I yeah. think he's the I, I could have watched more of him Yeah I'm actually surprised There's not as much of him really. so Would you like to watch more Of Ralph Brown As Del Preston Yeah Well that brings me To a point about This character And this actor he previously starred in a movie called With Nail yeah, and With I. Yeah, With Nail and I. Uh-huh. No shit. Playing yeah. exactly the same basically, character, basically. Person, yeah. And I think that I really like that they've carried that character over. Or that, not exactly that type, same man, yeah. but that type. Yeah. And I think it's it's kind of worth noting that whole 70s thing is, um, you know, that movie was about two friends involved in the arts and stuff as well. Mm. And it's kind of, I feel like there's almost like a little... There's a line you can draw between these two films and these two friends. Yeah, Wayne's World 2 is a thematic remake. It's a spiritual remake of With Mel and I. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. But I mean, like, there's, it's about, it's, uh, that was about the slacker culture in, like, the 60s going on to the 70s in, mm. back then in England. And this is kind of like those same two archetypes then. And it's cool that they've got that same friends. I've always liked, the, I think the character gets the best laugh lines or something, yeah. or at least the most memorable. Like everyone loves the brown M&M story that he repeats mm. throughout this film. He, you know, all the rock and roll stories and all that stuff. They're the, that's the main stuff that I remember when I remember yeah. this movie. And I probably quoted it a lot when I was a teenager and stuff, even though I didn't know exactly what Woodstock was or who Ozzy Osbourne yeah. was or whatever. I just thought I instantly knew this guy was cool. 
This yeah. is a cool character. And I think it works as well because that is a cool job. It's cool there's got all these life stories. But people within the film are exactly the same way as well. Everyone's always fascinated by him. Everyone's fascinated by what he's saying. And because he's got that slow, weirdly, re- slowly revealing style of talk, that mm. speech pattern, mm. it just draws you in even more. Yeah. I reckon... He's probably been pretty horny in his time, if I'm oh, going to be honest. He's shagged around. I reckon he's, he's threatened to dose people. Yeah. Probably with Viagra. Really? Oh, I'd love to get dosed with Viagra. I think it feels... I'll medicine you. It'll feel so nice. With a stiffy drug. Have you? Have either of you guys ever taken Viagra or any erection the big v. meds? I've never lost my V plates. No, <laughs> I to me Viagra is just to look at someone and then I get horny and I get aroused. So, so you haven't taken it. You've just gotten horny before. No, I don't need to do that. I can. I'm capable of getting really strong boners. Cool, Henry. No, I haven't. No, neither. (laughs) (laughs) True. No, I never had it. Never Uh, had horny goat weed. If you at home have ever taken Viagra, please let us know. And does it make you a more powerful horny baby? Or does it make you a more a... Fall in love. Yeah. (laughs) In Italian, much like Federico Fellini. So what do you like? What do you like about this movie? Tell me, tell me what makes you enjoy it. Both of you. In alphabetical oh, order. Okay. <laughs> well, then that's that's Henry first by last name. Yeah. Uh, th- th- Dell. Okay. Looking at Dell. Looking at him. His uh, whole his his what he brings to it. What yep. he's got to say. Yeah. His gags and jags. Mm-hmm. Looking at Garth. Do you think Garth's good in this movie? Uh, I dislike Garth's storyline in this film. I think his storyline sucks. Yeah, but I like looking at him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good, the, the best Does thing about Garth is just horny, looking baby. at him. Yeah, okay. good looking guy. Yeah, I think so. It bums me. Dana Carvey is one of the he didn't have a butt great moment. beauties in this. He never world. has a butt moment. And when uh, when what's it? Not Heather Locklear. Kim uh, Basinger. Kim Basinger is rattling rattling around, mm. faking out, potentially giving him head. Mm. I was like, yes, Gothy. Yeah, me too. Oh, Gothy. When he gets to kiss her. I just remember thinking, fine, like, thank God, Dana Carvey gets to mm. smooch a beautiful mm. woman on screen. <laughs> I think what I like about this movie, apart from seeing Dana Carvey really get some, I mean, I really like that. I think that's so fantastic and really makes me proud of him. But I, I like that this movie gives a lot more moments, moments to smaller supporting characters to shine. Like, we've always sung our praise about Del Preston. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got Chris Walken in there. Okay, yeah, he gets quite a bit to do. James Hong. Yep. yep Odenkirk yep, yep. and Smeagol. Yeah. Uh, we've got it's Kevin a great little Pollock. Cameo, actually. We've got Chris Farley. And it gives more... It, it's, got a, it's a wider world that they've opened up with more characters, more of these really exaggerated comedic characters. And that's what I like a lot about this movie. But that's to the detriment mm. of the main characters yes, of this film. It is. Mm. And I acknowledge that. And... Please it's don't. good to get some acknowledgement. Yes. I feel listened to. I'll say this: in the first few minutes of this movie, I, I think it's there's no laughs at mm-hmm. all. Like for four or five minutes, the first laugh that I got is when Garth slides down the pole and makes that uh, uh, little yeah. like horny noise. <laughs> and then the next scene is Wayne's exposition to camera, explaining his life. In the first. One, Penelope Spheris directs that great. He walks up the stairs, he goes through the kitchen. Yep. It's all done in a one and he's talking to the camera but also interacting with his environment. Mm. In this one, it's just Wayne standing in an elevator for mm. like three minutes. We'll one take the scenic route and then yeah. it's not scenic Nothing at all. Ha- I don't know what the point of it is. It feels so lazy and boring. Well, it's just an identical, it's a carbon copy of the opening. But yeah, yeah. you're right, lazier. And it just made me think that this is a uh, instantly on this viewing. I thought, oh, that this is a slower movie. There's like yes. less movement. Even the, the shots are mostly locked off. It feels laborious, and it's only ninety minutes. Paced. Yeah. What's the deal, Steve? I looked him up. He hasn't. He didn't. He's a TV director. Yeah. He did Kids in the Hall, right? Yep, yep. And then since then, he's mainly done um, TV as well. So I guess just not as accomplished a director. Who were some of the other characters that you liked? I I love um, Bobby Khan. I love that's the um, Christopher Walken character. Yeah, I love him in he, this. I think he's a perfect 
villain for this movie. Yeah. And for these guys to face when they're moving along in their lives, it makes sense for it to be an older, an older, cooler guy than them who's who represents a totally... Whereas I think Rob Lowe's character in the first movie represents just like a different subculture to them mm. who's still quite cool. This represents like a different a generation. Oh, yeah, Rob yeah. Lowe's like a sycophant yuppie. Like yeah. he's an opportunist going like, oh, yeah, if I say the right people to these people, then I'll get the deal and then I'll grow myself. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Whereas and he's not, Walken's he's like, not a cool p- character, whereas Walken's like, I'll have this. I like it. I'm going to take it. That's a flawless Walken. I've been so oh, off so this whole good. No, that's real good. I think that's a great Walken. He, uh, yeah, I think he's great in it. Great villain. And he's also game as a comedy actor, I think. He's yeah. game to kind of be made the fool of. And like he still somehow looks cool even when... Wayne and Garth are clowning on him. Yeah, he just he's so suave. He never gets the upper hand. He, they never he never lets him get the upper mm, hand. Never Whereas, rattled. You know when Rob Lowe is like a sphincter says what? Yeah, but he says sphincter says what? You think me? You want me to say what? Like I don't get it. Was that good? Flawless walk. Thanks, man. <laughs> couple Appreciate of, it. Couple of walkers well, over here. Yeah, Whoa. we're going to do another podcast walk called Walking Talking, where we're going to be talking about all things walking. <laughs> I promise I'll never listen to it. That's a great show. Um, I also like Milton. That's the Chris Farley character. I think I always forget he's in this, and he's just real funny. And he's in the first one too. Yeah, mm. as a different character. Double different down. character, but the double same dipping. Is that allowed? I think double dipping is actually Bro, really good. For if you. I was on that set, I'd be like, "Fuck Farley, no double dipping." I would have said really? that. Too. I would have said, "Hey, don't double dip the chip." I'd be like, "Dude, look at your physique. You're doing enough <laughs> double dipping already, Chris." I'd probably start doing dips because I'm really I've been going to the gym a bit lately. I'd be like, "Hey guys, check my check my dips out," and they'd be like, "Oh, cool." I just do dabs, dude. I'm like, "You guys won't get this, but in 20 years, it's gonna be sick." <laughs> that is pretty cool. Uh, who else do I like? Drew Barrymore's character, Bjergen Kjergen. Funny character. Um, really. If I can be truthful, really makes me horny. Really, what really? about you makes her hor- makes you? Horny? What about me makes her horny? <laughs> what do you? Jeez what about Louise. you? Do you wish made her horny? Um, like describe yourself. And- my, my little butt. Yeah, describe your little butt to us. It's furry like a forest peach. But her, but if your little butt has ever <laughs> has ever dropped any liquid poo poos, and yeah. she'd be into it potentially because yeah. she loves the fact that Wayne. Uh, sacrifice his health for the sake of studying her. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. She's always made me horny in this movie. She's so beautiful. Um, She's wearing that cool mesh top Mm. where you can see a lot of skin. She's got a fake accent. I'm sorry. I'm really turned on by her in this. And and I think she was probably only like, I'm going to say seven years old. (laughs) She was like 50. This is pre-ET. Pre-T. She's pretty hot. Uh, She's great. Um, Do you know that after she did this role, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg sent her a frame from this movie airbrushed over and said... And said, cover up. <laughs> Is that true? No. Oh, he did do that about something though, didn't he? Playboy. Playboy. Oh, yes, yes dude. Does uh, Playboy make you horny? Um, No, I read it for the articles and they make my mind horny. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pammy. That's on the record. Big Pammy head over here. You? 
Or are you more a penthouse guy? Uh, hustler. Hustler boy. <laughs> um, what I about prefer Zoo uh, Magazine. I also really like the Handsome Dan character. Who's Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer. Yeah, yeah, Harry yeah, Shearer yeah. from Spawn with Hap and The Simpsons. Yeah, I think he's just sort of great whenever he's in anything. Uh-huh, yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yep. Are you listening to me right now? Yep. Yeah, boy. Mm. Mm, I think yeah. you've covered off every minor character. You haven't mentioned the Indian or Jim Morrison. I refuse to mention either. Does of those he two. make you horny, the Indian guy with his little butt? <laughs> <laughs> Not the butt, but the pecs. Yeah, I love the pecs. I think the butt crack is such also, an odd touch. The pecs, and also just how supportive he is of Mike, of mm, sorry yeah. Wayne, that are making me horny. Yeah, I love yeah. friendship. Friendship really makes. He's a me better proud. friend to Wayne in this than Garth. <laughs> but he's also got Wayne is not a good friend to Garth either. Either. Yeah, I know. No one's good friends to anyone in this. Um, and and no one's good friends to anyone in life, guys. If you think you have a good friend, you don't. If they're this, all yeah, one using day you. they're saying they love you and they're so glad to see you again, and the next they're putting your phone in a lockbox for <laughs> yeah. half an hour. If this pod raises concerns, contact, reach out. Yeah. Um, ring. I believe this knife belongs to you. Friend, do you know who Whoa. I think is also really hot in this film? Who James Hong, dude. I find yeah. James, I've talked about this to you guys before, but I think James Hong is really cool and sexy. I think he's got one of the sexiest voices, and it's something about you know, that was him doing pretty much all of his stunts except the flips. Really, he was doing all the kung fu moves in this, and I think that's so sexy about like his older man who's so slim and like kind of like, you know, bulgily, muscly, just doing all that stuff. Ropey. I'd describe yeah, him as ropey. Yeah, he's quite ropey. But <laughs> I think that's um I think that's so sexy. Like he's got that old man strength. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's pretty horny. That scene, I will say, is a highlight for me in this movie. Mm. And it always it's one of the great The Kung Fu scenes. Yeah. Ooh. You don't like it? Low light. Really? What do you Very not like so. about what, it? What yeah, what don't you like? Go too long. It, it does it, go too Okay, long. it does go too long. But go I think it long. was the first time for me that I'd seen the sort of like parody of Kung Fu gag before. Yeah. With the fake dubbing and the over-the-top sound effects and all that stuff. So it's it has a special place in my heart. Um, that was the worst part of it for me and so was the YMC, the village people part. Just these really, like these... Um, these ventures into absurdity that weren't just hit it and quit it. Mm. Hated them. Well, that's what, let's talk about that for a moment, the idea of the long joke, because I think that's what Wayne's World more so than Austin Powers which, really which commits is the to really like long, long jokes. What's the, f- the long one in the first one? There's one that's set up and then they pay it off. You, you guys talked about the cattle prod one in the first one. That's not that long. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's yeah, like yeah. 30 seconds. It feels long. I would um, say like maybe the whole long joke of the maybe them showing the commercial parodies. Right. In the first one. Yeah. Right, right, right. Still not that long. I you guys I watched it last night. Not that long. I promise okay. you, not as long as the Kung Fu setup, not as long as the village people set up. The village people one is very long. Oh, but then you've got the long payoff one of the stacking crates of chicken and watermelon yeah. and glass. That's and I feel like that's a two beater. Yeah, it's I'm okay not with that. that. Long. Yeah, I'm, I don't mind that. The first one had the two beater of the old mm. man who runs the amusement park, uh, set yeah. up at the start, yep, pay yep, off at yep, the yep, end, yep. kind of style. Mm. They're good. They're fine. They work. But um, I think you're, just these long riffs, they suck. And they're long parodies as well. Like this one is yeah. a parody of a genre, which I don't mind. I like that. But then we move further on down the track and it's the whole film... It's like a 20-minute parody of The Graduate. Yeah, and that's it's really yeah. actually heaps accurate. It's too accurate. It's almost, yeah, to the point where it's not funny anymore. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, that's a ex- shot for shot, yeah. The Graduate, but who gives a shit? Yeah. This is not SNL. As a kid, I, you know, this movie's made for like, you know, 12-year-old kids in the 1990s. How many yeah. of them have seen The Graduate? Yeah, not me. I, not me. I And whenever I watch a graduate now, I often think I expect a joke from Wayne's World to come up in it. I was surprised when I first saw The Graduate and those close-up shots of everyone mouthing son of a bitch are actually in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was a gag from Wayne's World. But I mean, what, are, what are the gags in there? Even the lines are the same. The only, there's the only the one gag, which is the wrong church one. The yeah. first Wrong church, second. different, better actor with Charlton Heston. And there's one joke that I really like that I think is very f- cinematically funny where he's ri- driving the car and he goes under the tunnel and the music cuts out. 
like a radio oh, yeah. signal interference. I don't, I don't think that's that funny, but oh, I know, yeah. I, know I, didn't even, I don't even think that red for me. I think that the Charlton Heston gag is maybe the only good one. If I had a pass at cutting this movie, yeah, I'd, I'd keep that one in. Yes, but you know what I would cut, and this is a, like a staple of the Wayne's World universe, mm. is the fake out endings. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd cut them from this completely. Yeah, I can't believe it. This the, with the addition of that, the fucking like two beat set up at the start, paid off at the end thing. His piece of camera right at the start. They're, all those things just, to me, amounted to this movie being a worse carbon copy. Like, right. I genuinely think of this as just a carbon copy of the first that's worse. Yeah, it reminds me of... Uh, it, it feels like, like filler, ending. right? Like, it feels like they're just padding out to get to 90 minutes by putting in these kind of yeah. fake... It, it's like when you watch someone do an hour comedy show and they get seven minutes into it and then they go all right now this is a story about and then they like start their yeah. show yeah. and you just realize you've been watching a set for seven minutes yeah. and now the show's about to start and you're like oh god really yeah that, now, now we're just watching a those story. endings suck like and there's only three of them in each or something there's mm. so few of, like it's that could be such a fun opportunity to skewer so many different genres mm. of film mm. and tropes of film and stuff but instead they just go so soft on it and give yeah. you three offerings. And they're each. all parodies, right? Or what is Thelma and Louise? There's a Thelma and Louise one. There's one where they get lost in the desert. And I can't remember what the... Th- oh, the third one's just the it's real one, the right? both, both of them are just the super happy ending. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah, it's yeah. just sort of happy, but all that really... Like, this one fucking ends on Aerosmith. I know, right? I it's know. It's so shit. And I think as well, it's kind of... Now that we know the backstory of it all, was Aerosmith... They were tr- trying to get Aerosmith for the first movie. And then P- Penelope said no. She's like, nah, it's not cool. You've already done that. Let's get Alice Cooper. We can get him instead. That's cooler. And I think when I when I saw Aerosmith come up this time, I was like, oh, lame. Mm. It's like know? a crutch. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like a crutch. We've already seen them interact with Aerosmith before. What, on SNL? On SNL, yeah. you yeah. know. it's uh, We should be exploring more artists. Even though Aerosmith technically is a perfect guy for these guys to <laughs> God, look up to. Yeah, yeah Aerosmith. Tommy Aerosmith. There's <laughs> this one yeah, guy. Stevie yeah. Aerosmith and the gang. But, you know, it's like the <laughs> perfect person for them to interact with. But it's done already. It's yeah. not and cool. Th- on that SNL sketch, the funniest part about that is Tom Hanks. Yeah. As the roadie brother or whatever. Yeah, he was really good. He's like, really he good looked, in that. How young was he there? All old. Tom but, Hanks? Yeah, he looked so interesting and like so Must complete as that character. I yeah. Thought. yeah. Mm. He's, and he's, I love that because he sort of does very little. Mm. He's like mainly yeah, just kind of tinkering where you with see shit. him crouching in the back corner. Yeah, like, like just ready yeah, to go. He's right on the yeah. back. He's like fiddling with drums and stuff like that. He's a lo- he's just a real actor. Like, he's, he's so good. Very talented young man, Tom Hanks. He's very good. But yeah, you're right. This movie ends with pretty much just a, an Aerosmith film clip, right? And it's like, yeah, and what even is the ending of this movie? And like, the way that the it's story? shot is so uninteresting to me yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas the first film, it's got all the... All, every concert footage in there, I think, looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And these ones, it's just like so run-of-the-mill. It surprised me so much to find out that this the opening scene at the Aerosmith concert was actually shot live at an Aerosmith concert. Yeah. I couldn't believe that because it looks like a stage. Exactly, it doesn't. It lacks that like kinetic visceral energy. It looks like there's like sixty people, really? like just sixty extras in the show. I thought that they. What I assumed it to be was that it was real live Aerosmith Smith footage, but then them them subbing in in a like, studio. Yeah, subbing in their mm. own footage. Yeah, they did it, it all. They did it all, all there in what uh, the fuck. Yeah, in like some including, fucking live footage, including like, live the concert. this. The crowd surfing. Yeah. How, what a How weird, and it doesn't look like that? it, does it? It doesn't look like it at all. Dude, stop getting angry. No. Well, I, I <laughs> well mean, they would have done it during an encore, so there would have been less people there anyway. So they like, just would have got fans to stick around. Or yeah, but still, it just it doesn't look like worth it to me at all. Because you don't see them in the same shot as Aerosmith no. at any point. So what's the point of it? Yeah. You know. Anyway. Um, I did think that that part was one of my top three jokes in this movie, where which, they get crowd surfed into... Going into the backstage area, into the D barrier, yeah, and then when they're hanging out, just a pizza guy gets crowd surfed, and then oh, a goat yeah. gets crowd yeah. surfed. I'll, I'll, honestly, and then a fridge I, gets I used surfed. to love that, but watching it now, I don't think it played for me at all. It reminded me too much of Zaz, like they're trying to rip off the airplane um, naked gun uh, background gag style, and it just didn't feel as a, funny to me. A goat. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty funny. A goat. A goat. Okay. <laughs> Dude, uh, that goat make me horny. 
made me hungry for some pizza. Yeah, I would have loved it. I love the backstage sequence. I kind of wish the movie was more in that vein. Just like mm. Garth and Wayne, they're a little more famous now, mm. but they're still less famous than Cassandra and they're hanging out at kind of big yeah. Hollywood things. Yeah. Or whatever. I love the whole, like them getting locked out of the VIP section. To that, be trapped with the nerds. Yeah, to be with Odenkirk and Smigel. The the security guard saying a lot of people's girlfriends are in there is one of the great laugh lines of this movie and yeah. one that I feel like I've said a million times in my life whenever I lock people out of things. Yeah, and then <laughs> hook up with their girlfriends. Yeah, too. Alexia, a yeah. lot of people's girlfriends are in that box that your phone is in. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Um, we, we touched on this earlier, but I'd love to get into it, the YMCA scene. Mm-hmm. And so... I watched like a documentary about the making of this film or uh, like the, the legacy of this film. And there's a weird thing where they kind of claim uh, the influence that the YMCA became like this cult song because of that scene, right. like in the same way that Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody for the first oh, so it relaunched YMCA into the 90s sort of zeitgeist. That's what they're saying, but I find that so hard to believe. Because <laughs> I think with Bohemian Rhapsody, it's done in a way that's so so often parodied in the world that we see now, like like dumb kids at parties will always sing it. Mm. And that's one of my least favorite things about parties when people will sing Bohemian Rhapsody I around fucking a circle. I love that about I hate parties. It. I really that's hate my it. favorite thing to happen at any really? party. My, my favorite thing to happen at any party is fireworks get brought in illegally. I drink a beer. <laughs> that's when you can yeah, start man. drinking. I can't wait to have my first beer. But they, 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 they that seems we like I found it fun. Like I've listened to YMCA a few times since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's been stuck in my head. Oh, you've revisited it? Yeah, I've revisited the YMCA since then. Did you buy it from iTunes? Uh, no, I watch it on YouTube. Let's so try I use my it up data. in the charts, man. I use, yeah, everyone, just show your respect for our podcast. Buy YMCA on iTunes. <laughs> it's everyone only probably it. $18. Probably. probably, you got to buy the whole album. Yeah. It's album exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, can you buy that at all? Because I feel like that song has probably never been out of vogue because it's always been like a camp classic used in like well, wedding DJ stuff. I feel like, I don't, I'm not... You know, experienced enough to talk on it definitively. But you've been in bands. I've pl- obviously I've played <laughs> in bands. Um, but I feel like this, the whole uh, gay club scene in this. Oh, here movie we go. Yeah. Feels like. Tell me everything about the <laughs> gay club in the movie. Welcome to the Mr. segment Expert. I like to call camsplaining. I'm going to camsplain <laughs> the tool shed gay yeah. club to you. It feels like this is exactly what was being parodied about gay people in, in the 90s, like mm. that they're all just like wearing leather all the time, dancing in clubs to YMCA and stuff like that. Wasn't maybe, Was this movie a part of that or was this already riffing on something that was already being done? I feel like it's a movie that's not clever enough to be riffing on that. I think it's part of it. Okay, because I feel like um, in the, with the Simpsons, remember the gay yeah, club yeah. episode of that, where it's basically this sort of it scene. It is absolutely, yeah. And uh, there's probably other examples of mo- straight Hollywood movies where a guy accidentally goes into a gay club and ends up dancing with people or whatever. I guess the Birdcage would have been out around this time as well. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe they brought it back. Maybe this made YMCA get back into the club scene, or maybe. That's just a bold claim. I think it's a bold-faced mm. lie. Mm. Either way, I still love that scene because of the absurdity of the fact that they all just know the dance and start doing it without questioning it. I think that's pretty fun. But if they all know the dance, doesn't it already mean this song is part but of the, the culture? But, no, you're, <laughs> the <laughs> characters are separate from the world. Like, I feel like it's kind of funny that the characters are trying to escape and then the song comes on and then just without questioning it, they start doing the dance. But I do think that whole scene it could be cut. There's so the many weird leaps in that. I don't understand at all really why it's funny, except for that it's visually funny to see all those dudes in a really energetic way do that dance. Mm. Yeah, They're good at the dance. They can do it. That's probably funny. But like at the start of the scene, they're doing a spying mission. Mm. Mm-hmm. We know this because they use the Wayne's World trope of Mission Impossible thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they've all decided to dress as the village people. Mm. But now, have they done that because as an active choice? 
because they all they love the village people and they're like, yeah, let's no, all dress. I think that's just how they're disguising themselves. One's yeah. a construction yeah. worker, one's a cop. I know. Or, yeah. But so then when they get to the gay it's club... It's very convenient. It's so weird. They like all of a sudden are surprised when the DJ throws the music onto them. Yeah. That... All eyes would be on them. I saw, I, they're so they're like, what? Why would you be looking at us? I and buy then, it. I, I buy, buy it. that. And I, then I buy all like, that. I think it's a very convenient dance? joke, but it's sort of funny when when the track starts. It's so obvious that they this whole thing has been a setup for them to do. Yeah, the YMCA. Like it's so obviously a writer's construct that I kind of find it charming. I find that funny. I think it's still a funny joke, but it's bizarre to me that they claim that they they make the <laughs> they YMCA famous. <laughs> yeah, because actually, you know what? Macho Man is used in a gay bar scene in Adam's Family Values. Oh, really? So I feel like they there's no way they brought it back. I feel like village people have always been camp culture. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm. So I don't know when Adam's Family Values came out. But I I'm, think probably five or six years after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> shit. So maybe my argument is worth nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Uh, but yeah, it just went for way too long. Yeah, a lot I of them. A lot of it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was just a like the point of the of scene movie, was it? to just sort of tell us that Wayne is jealous of Cassandra and Bobby, and he's mm. spying on them. And that's wrapped up in about 30 seconds. Yeah. And then the next fucking four minutes is this boring chase mm. followed by them oh, quickly ducking into a gay club that's open during the day. That's weird. And then doing the dance and then yeah. the scene ends. And then he's like, Cassandra, I think we should break up. Yeah. The, it's, bi- like, the it's... biggest leap for me is that it's open during the day. <laughs> it's so packed. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. For packed. Illinois. An Illinois day club. Yeah. Um, I will say last episode, uh, sorry, the Wayne's World episode, we raved about how much we like Garth and yeah. how he was great. Yeah, he doesn't get as much to do in this one, even though he gets more story. But I think his dialogue with Honey Hornet, who, by the way, does make me Hornet, baby, mm. um, is the funniest dialogue in the movie. Yeah. I think it's the best written dialogue in the movie. All that kind of Bogart, a call back and forth, you know, it makes sense for him to not be understanding what she's saying. Yeah, for take him me to God, not understand. Where, like I'm this. low on gas and you need a jacket. Yeah. All those like back and forth mm-hmm. that feel like classic one-linery yeah. jokes, or like Mae West type jokes. I think they work so well. I like teeny and toasty. All right. I think. Um, I, can I ask you is that plot line a direct reference to anything? It, it feels like a Chandler story, right? I don't know what exactly. Yeah. I mean, Chandler Bing, obviously. <laughs> it's a, a Chandler Bing B-plot on Friends. <laughs> no, but it, it feels like it's directly referencing something because there's so much of this movie that's like parodies of stuff that's happening in the pop culture at that time. Yeah, I reckon it might have been a riff on just early 90s sex thrillers. Like Basic right. Instinct, yeah. Fail Attraction right. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, you might be right. I wish they'd bring those back. Because that that plot, they is... are they're back, but they've just they're just very degrade. Yeah, they're very like third or fourth result on Netflix kind of. And I guess tier. Fifty Shades is one of those things, right? That's oh, a mainstream Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think it's may it, you might be right. Maybe it's just riffing on Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, that sort of thing. Yeah, because a plot is that she wants him to kill her husband, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. I feel and like but it doesn't start that riff until the final beat of that story. Mm. Isn't there a whole family it. guy that is the same plot? Oh, I don't know, man. I Maybe. don't. I don't really subscribe to Seth MacFarlane's comedy. Okay, I'm fair a enough. purist. But yeah, it just it seems so odd that that's just kind of shoehorned into this movie. The whole plot. shoehorned shoehorned into this movie. <laughs> I I don't know. I just I found that all boring. Even though I love Kim Basinger, I think she's a fabulous actor. I love Dana Covey. I think he's a fabulous honey. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing for me. That's so nothing. How do you me. guys feel about this movie? I guess we're nearing the end. We're nearing some sort of conclusion. Can we do best gag, worst gag, or whatever? Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. Let's do it. Because I might have to run, but I, re- I wrote them down because I love them so yeah, much. Yeah, he. Let's see your best gag. Oh, worst and also gag. from Wayne's One, I got to say my best gag. It's so funny. It's when Rob Lowe comes up to Garth, and he's like, "Hey, so Garth." Um, I think we're going to get the sponsor on. What do you think Wayne will think about that? And Garth's like wearing a weird helmet and building a robot <laughs> yeah. arm. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. like, he won't like that. 
And then uh, Rob Lowe goes, well, he's going to have to do it because it's part of his contract. And then Garth's like, we're afraid of change. And then the little hand starts moving and Garth (laughs) just smashes it with a hammer like 10 times. (laughs) That is a great guy. That is so funny. It's so funny. That was uh, meant to be like a whole kind of like secret subplot where Garth was building a robot to kill Rob Lowe. Yeah, I know. And But I love that that was totally scrapped or it is secret yeah. enough that that just plays as the most weird... Like, we fear change. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great gag. What's uh, your favourite gag from... Okay, this two? one, my favourite gag is... Two. I'm the leprechaun. I love it. Hey. Yeah, very funny. He's like, Wayne. I mean, I wish there was more of just them on the couch and yeah. stuff in this, right? Because that, that's so funny, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then again, he's that's Myers dipping into the Scottish-Irish voice that yeah. like, he just uses yeah. all the time, of course. Yeah. But just going so hard on teasing Garth, that's really funny to me. And the very, like, almost the second last beat is when Wayne's sitting down with Jim Morrison sort of recapping the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, so it all worked out, man. I mean, I don't know. What did I learn? And Jim Morrison's like, what you learned is that you have to commit to something in life as an adult, but you also can have a good time. And then Wayne's like, oh, yeah, right. Like, uh, like when you come home from school on a Friday afternoon and you like just decide to do all your homework that night, so then you have like all of Saturday to just party. And Jim Morrison's like, nah, man, I like my way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that gag too. too I reckon I, I've liked that more in the last couple of years. Yeah. I think it's a more... So what's your worst gag? Uh, in this? Mm. Ooh, just the entire Kung Fu and Village People. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite gag is um, probably the shop, the shopkeeper and his son. That's a different story altogether. Yeah, and to beat them to death with their own shoes. So funny. I think that whole monologue is amazing. Yeah. And my other favorite gag is another monologue, and it's Ed. What's his name's? Um, Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill's other monologue about um, God. I can't remember which one it is in this one. Yeah. Is it? Uh, it's not. Who knows? It's but not it's blood rising dark. from the wound or whatever. No. It's something. Oh, I think it's um. Why do they come to me to die? Yeah. Why do they come to me to die? It's or something so like funny. that. Yeah, he gets another great one. Worst gag for me is probably, um, yeah, probably all the back end of with the fake out. Yeah. Ending. The fifteen endings. And they, they should be good because that's what Wayne's World does. But I just was like, hurry up by yeah. this point. I think my favorite gag, I love Kevin Pollock's cameo in this movie mm. as the man with the weird eye. And I love it when they, they keep, when he's, when he gets to the point where he's just like, and Dr. Lowercase J's. Yeah, yeah. That makes me laugh a lot. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's just such a fun character take. And I love seeing how serious Kevin Pollock is in that role. And then, or like st- how stern he is. And then my Lisa gag is probably. Uh, the church fake out. The whole sequence. That whole sequence, but especially the church fake out because it just takes so long. So weird to I think find that, that agonizing. That for the sake of that gag, they would have had to done do VFX. Yeah. Like to mirror the two churches to look identical in the street. Oh, yeah. They would have had like that's some um, nineteen ninety three after effects equivalent mm. at the time. Yeah. It's like fuck, <laughs> is it worth it? Dude, just put in photo booth. They should just film that in photo booth. <laughs> I found that agonizing this time. Yeah, it's very slow. It's just so slow. And because it's exactly the graduate. Like, it's just, I find that uninteresting. Mm. That's exactly a parody the best of example, film. The best example of the parodies in, I think, across the two films for me is the Robert Patrick Terminator riff in the yeah. first one. Because uh, it, uh, yeah. it's done in like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah and I still short. don't love that. I don't think I love that. I, think, it, I thought it was so funny this time. Not because it's a great parody, but because I was like, fuck, this doesn't offer any explanation or wink or anything. <laughs> yeah. And if you, as a kid now, or just as someone who, you, there are possibly a lot of people in the world now who might never have seen Terminator 2. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and maybe they'll find themselves watching this and just not fucking get or understand what's <laughs> yeah. happening there at all. Yeah. And I think that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this one's just like it's just a painful, agonizing. Yeah. If you long haven't seen The Graduate, film. you yeah. have to watch fifteen minutes of The Graduate yeah. in this movie, basically, exactly. to not get a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Should we check it? Let's check it. I think it's still good, but it's just not as good. I think nostalgia mm. is stronger than the film. I think so too. I think, but for me, it's not maybe not as bad as we've been 
we've been very harsh on it this time. That's only because we love Mike. I think it's only because we love Mike. I think Mike's performance is still great in this film. I think it is another know, deepening of that of the sketch character into something more three dimensional. We're exploring another aspect of his character. He's we're exploring the inside of his character, the the more darker depths of this character. And I dig that as a concept. I don't know if I love it in its uh, in its actuality. I feel like he's half checked out, and I can see why he didn't want to do a third one. Mm. He wanted to move on. He was done. He wanted to move on and honor his dad by Should being have been a horny British instead. He <laughs> did it two and done. Yeah, but we're at an interesting point now in the in our podcast here. Not this podcast episode, but our entire journey with Mike. Well, Pies. this is a shift. This is a seismic. We're shift taking right a now. shift, and I think we're, it's we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're taking a painful shift. We're taking a real different shift where it's going to take a lot of while, a while to get out. We're going to squeeze this shift out. And I think we're moving from your era of Mike Myers where you love the Wayne's Worlds. You're the guy that relates to it. You're, yeah. you know, you, obviously you've been in bands and obviously you relate to that kind of scene. And you, obviously that's who you are. That's who your, who your style of humor comes out that obviously. way. Obviously. Obviously that's yeah. true. I'm a cynic. I'm a Gen X is stuck in the body of a Gen Y. Yes, and I am a horny little dude. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a real goofy guy, and that's why I love Austin Powers. Sure. You're Wayne, I'm Austin. And I think we're at this... And who are you? You're... <laughs> who the fuck are you, actually? What are you doing? Uh, I reckon you're Shrek or something. I'm dude. not fucking Shrek! Oh, man, classic exactly Shrek behaviour. You're, you're so angry and standoffish, and you always hate it when people get in your swamp, mate. Uh, Shrek. Andy, Shrek, Henry, dude. I want you to check this movie. Do you think it's good or not? Oh, I find it really hard to say. I would. I reckon you should. I reckon the. It's no good. It's no good. Okay, that's fine. It wasn't funny enough. It wasn't funny. Do you enough. think it could have been a good series of online sketches, <laughs> dude? I, Digital on, shorts. If this was on Funny or Die, I'm rating it funny, dude. Yeah, fuck. Just if you cut if you cut it down into its sketches, yeah. they're ongoing characters that we already know the setup on, and cut it down to just sketch based things. Yeah, that could work, but don't mm. make me watch it all in a fucking one Alright, this is, whole movie was a one out <laughs> for me, dude. I, I reckon it's more than a one out of ten. I, I I still like this movie quite a lot. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say good, but not not as good. And I'm looking check- forward to this yeah. shift, and I want to see what happens after we wipe this shift off. <laughs> Hey boys, it was so so good to get on this pod. It was I'm an so honor good to see you guys. Fun to hang with you. I Thanks, gotta man. run. All right, All right, get out of here. See ya. Love ya. Goodbye, You're a scoundrel. Bye bye. We'll let ourselves out of your house. All right, we are now alone in Henry's house. Finally, we privacy. Can do whatever we want in here. I'm gonna lock some shit in his box for a day. <laughs> well, we checked it and we reluctantly agreed that it was good. Yes, and I stand by my decision that it was good, and I will never doubt myself. I am constantly filled with doubt. It's the Catholic in me. You can't take it out of me unless you put it back in. That sounds gross. Um, Guys, we hope you enjoyed our episode today. We really helped you get horny, I hope. I hope so. I hope someone got horny. If you did, obviously, please tweet us. Hashtag gong. That's what we want to know. We want to know if you're out there getting horny or getting late. And if I hope that you and your partners... Someone hope makes love to this podcast. <laughs> I really so, hope someone's out there really going to town on someone to this show. Yeah, just find your loved one or a consenting friend that you are intimate with and just really rail on them to this podcast. Yeah, just please. really slap skin. Get your boy, push him down, hop on top, give him the ride of his dreams and just really listen to the podcast at the same time, laugh along. <laughs> Maybe offer your own criticisms while it's happening. And try to climax at the exact moment that we check if this is good or not. (laughs) And then lean into your partner and say, checked it, it's good. Yeah. How And what can we do to return these guys the favour? Well, you can head on the iTunes page and give us a five-star review. And in your review, leave us the concept and title for the next super specific podcast you'd like us to do. We've got some great ones on Twitter. What do we have? Uh, this one is from at sixteen tacos. It's a podcast idea that says all that glitters is not gold bloom. Well, that is my favorite. One of my favorite ones that we've done so far. I think that's really good. But all I'll, that glitters is not gold. Bloom. I think I it's like a great that. title. We've got another one from our dear friend Levens. 
and I believe it is Do I Make You Sigourney Baby, which is the <laughs> films of Sigourney Weaver, which I think is great. So if you can't think of one, you can steal the one that I've just made up called Wog Day Afternoon, where we watch the films of Al Pacino with the Super Wog Boys and just oh. let you know if they're good influences on Wog culture. My dream guest, I've, I've never announced it, is Nicole Kidman. Yeah. I really want to interview Nicole Kidman about Philip the Hyper Hyper. Yeah, I would love to get our Nick on here. I think if you have a time. way of getting to Nicole Kidman, guys... Just help a brother out. And I'm your little brother. And I really need help on this. <laughs> but if someone, like, maybe hangs out with Antonia Kidman or something like that, let me know. I need to get her on the podcast. And while you're at it, tweet us at MikeCheckPod. You can tweet me at I am Cameron James and Alexi at This Is Alexi. Guys, thanks so much for listening and stay horny and remember, potty on. It's Mike Check. It's Mike Check. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.